I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Festivus edition of The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by Ely. Elec825, which Jeff, I guess, means we'll just bitch more than usual on the show. We're thrilled to join you on WWDV 860 AM, 97.5 HD2, part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. We'll be joined by Sam Carcitti in just a minute or two to talk a little hockey, but uh, welcome to our annual show of airing sports grievances, Mr. Cohen. Isn't it great that of all the holidays that happen in December, we choose to honor the one that's not even real a holiday. You're damn right. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> and I love that we do it. But, and, and is there any better city to do it in? No, it's it's perfect. Uh, yeah. It, it's, if there was any city in America where Festivus was made for, Philadelphia is the city that it was made for. It's just a good thing we didn't do this show on Tuesday because my whole grievances would be the Philadelphia Eagles. The way they oh, play so, that game. And I'm sure they're all gone because it's Friday, right? Well, I'm... I'm not over it, but I'm not going to focus on it as much. I've got plenty more grievances. Don't worry. Um, are, are there any, should we get to any before the hockey talk or should, should we, I know I'm not even going to ask about there's an football. I don't care if you didn't watch. I know <laughs> I've accepted this fate already. Who's, who, whose grievance would that be? <laughs> it's my grievance with you that you don't appreciate this extra football that the NFL is giving you, which by the way, you're in NFL takeover weekend where the normal five basketball games on Christmas day aren't going to be enough. They're now paired with three football games, including the Eagles yeah, giants. Congr- congratulations to the NFL on being so Bush league that they and so attention starved <laughs> that they couldn't give the NBA the one day that is their day that's special. Is, is this your first like, grievance that the NFL uh, stole the NBA's day? <laughs> I mean, I thought it was kind of the red guy in the suit's day, on, but on like, behalf of the NBA, I'd like to say NFL. Really, like you, you <laughs> couldn't just give the NBA one day. NFL, just leave stay, them alone. Stay in your lane. That, that's what you're looking for right there. Keep your day. <laughs> I am curious, though, what it does to the ratings. I'm the ratings guy. I pay attention to it. And the NFL is ratings king. How much does it hit the NBA ratings? Or is that audience built in for that day? I don't know. All, all I know is back in the day, we used to have TVs that had picture in picture. And because they got so small and so thin, we couldn't have the picture in picture anymore. <laughs> and, and this was one of those days that picture in picture was made for. Yes. Then it wouldn't affect anybody's ratings. No, I mean, we're getting to the point. So basically, I guess my next grievance is thin, efficient TVs. No good. (laughs) You you want like the old box that's going to fall on you? We need the big old box with the cathode ray tubes, which is probably one of the biggest words we've actually used on the show. And, And that's what we need. You know, I thought we would go in a lot of directions to start the show for Festivus. I did not think bringing back old tube TVs would be the the road that you would choose to travel down to begin this radio show today. Well, well, no, alternatively, somebody could actually be smart enough to develop a TV that had picture in picture that's thin. Yeah, I mean, you're that getting, would be nice too, right? You're getting there. You see it with the NFL broadcast where you, they can choose the four games and show four different games at the same time. You're getting there with sports. Yes, you're but if the NFL has its way, they'll block everything else. They will. Or they'll it's char- not, or it's they'll not like they're going to. You, you think the NFL is going to call up Adam Silver in the NBA and say, hey, by the way, we got a really good idea. So I know we're sharing your day with you. But we could also share the television screen. <laughs> so segment one of Festivus is just <laughs> bitching about the leagues. Is that I mean, I've got more bitches about the leagues. I'll I'll save it. Why don't we we'll leave it there and we'll revisit our complaining after we talk a little hockey. OK, 
Sounds good. Here's our conversation with Sam. We talked to him yesterday before the Flyers game last night. We're going to take a break from our complaining. Jeff, I will give you plenty of time to get back to it as soon as we talk some hockey because I told you all season, my goal for the Flyers was relevance. I wanted people back in the building. I wanted them to be fun to watch. And our man Sam Carcidi is here to tell us what he's seeing on the ice because I'm really enjoying what I'm watching. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing great, Jason. How you doing? Uh, well, Hi, Jeff. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to cut you off, Jason. Okay. Because bef- before we get there, okay. why why should Sam not have the opportunity to also have something to complain about? So, Sam, before we get to the good and real information, here's your chance to air your grievances. So give us your sports grievance. Okay. It doesn't have to be flyers. Well, uh you know, this isn't any breaking news, but the fly, the Eagles play selection has just been, <laughs> you know, abysmal and uh, how they can throw in a double coverage, a 40 yard bomb when you only needed 15 yards for a field goal on the last play. It was just beyond me. So, uh, but a, that's, uh, it, that's a, old news, but it's just incredible to me how, how they have dumbed down the offense and it's so predictable, no motion, uh, not that you need trick plays or gadgets, but you have to have some kind of offense that, you know, gives gives the defense something to think about. And uh, you would have thought that with Hertz running for 82 yards last week, the secondary would have cheated a little bit and moved up, but that didn't happen or, or it happened and Hertz couldn't find his uh, his receivers. So, uh, so but anyway, I'll get off my complaining soapbox because the Flyers are playing really well right now. It's as if you read my mind, though, Sam. <laughs> I mean, I was or or my text messages to Jeff and other people, one or the other, because I, I said to, I said to Jeff, I spared him of the wrath of text messages while watching that game on Monday night. I sent it to other friends who I knew would be watching and interested, as opposed to Jeff, who would just mute me and ignore all of my complaining. So as as he acknowledges that with a head shake. <laughs> I had a vested interest too. I, I must admit that I needed a field goal to, uh, from Ellie to win my fantasy league playoff oh. uh, to, to go into the next round. And uh, so if Elliot had kicked a, a long field goal there, I would have won. So, so you never uh, even got the shot for it. So yeah, never even got a chance. Jeff, how it, it does that make just... you feel that not only is Sam upset as an Eagles fan, but he's upset as a fantasy football player? Come on, Jeff, <laughs> give me your fantasy take here on our grievance show before we get to the floor. I now have a grievance for next year already. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. You don't like fantasy football, don't you? I, I do it. I don't do it well, so there's a grievance. But... <laughs> he, he finds things to complain about, about other people enjoying ways to watch football. Let's... All right, so I wait, wait. I have one more airing a grievance question then. You started when you before you went to the Eagles and you said it doesn't have to be Flyers. Is there possibly at this point in the season any grievance that you could have about the Flyers? Well, I guess yeah, the power play has been awful. They're uh they're 29th in the league out of 32 teams, so uh, yeah, that's a major grievance and and it's amazing they're 18 10 and, and uh, 3 I believe it is now. Uh with the power play contributing next to nothing. Um, so if they get that going, the penalty kill has been spectacular. I think last I looked, they were fourth in the league and, uh, you know, the PK has been great, which it wasn't last year. So at least they've, they've solved one of the two special team units, but, uh, the power play, um, and faceoffs too. If you have another grievance, it's faceoffs. They, they're near the bottom of the pack in the NHL and that, but, uh, uh, everything else, you know, you really can't complain. They're, um, 
you know, getting great goaltending, getting surprising contributions from guys like uh, Nick Sealt, uh, Sealer and uh, Sean Walker. They're both now elevated to the second pairing. You know, the Forster, Forsters and the Brinks, the rookies are, are chipping in. And Urson is a rookie as well, and he's going to play uh, on Thursday, Thursday night. And uh, he's been lights out. He's 7-0-1 in his last eight games. So they're getting contributions from the young guys. And, you know, you blend it in with uh, the veterans, Couture coming back, of course, from the injury. And, uh, you know, some of the other veterans like TK, he's an L veteran, Travis Konechny. Is off to another great start. Uh, Travis Sanheim has been a pleasant surprise. He's he's making a bid to make the All Star team for the first time. So uh, definitely a lot more positives than negatives. I've actually seen the penalty kill referred to as the power kill, the way that they've been playing because they've actually been so offensive at times in scoring yep. goals. What, is it a change in philosophy? Is it that they have additional players? And I mean, I know Travis Konechny wasn't there for the penalty kill at times last year. What has been the biggest change that you've seen that's led to the success on the ice? Yeah, I think they're more aggressive. I think getting getting Couture back has really helped. Uh, you know, Cates is out now, and he was a big part of the PK too for for uh, for a while. But he'll he'll be when he comes back. You're probably going to see less of Kachuri on the PK, but uh, uh, yeah, some of the veterans I think that have, have stepped in and, and done a great job, and and even a youngster like Cam York has done a good job. So um, you know they really have not missed Ivan Provorov at all. I thought that I thought they would, to be honest with you. I thought it would take them some time to get the defense together. Not that Provorov was a great player. I think he was an underachiever, but you know let's face it, he played 26, 27 minutes a night. And that's hard to replace, but, you know, they've done it. And the defensemen have really stepped up. You know, you mentioned Sanheim, and and uh, to me, Sealer has been a revelation. I mean, here's a guy who left hockey uh, a few years ago because he had been sent down to the minors by Chicago, and he wasn't sure if he wanted to continue. And just left and went to uh, work for his dad at a uh, – uh, as a paint place, some kind of paint business in Minnesota. And after a few months said that he really missed hockey, came back, went to the wild as a free agent and kind of was just a an okay player. But he has really found himself uh, with the Flyers. He played very well last year. And this year he leads a team. He's plus 15. Uh, he leads a team in block shots. And him and Walker, uh, surprisingly, have been a terrific pairing, uh, number two pairing for the Flyers. The number one pairing, you now have Cam York, who last year was sent down for a period of time. Uh, What has changed or what has improved and why has Cam York gotten to the place that he currently is? I think a lot of it is Sanheim. And and he's had his ups and downs this year. I don't want to paint too rosy a picture. I mean, he's struggled Mm -hmm. in some games. Um, But... uh, you know, he, he played a lot last year on the first pairing, and I think that kind of relaxed him a little bit this year. He was kind of thrown in with Ivan Provorov a lot last year when he came back up uh, from the minors. And, uh, you know, he seems a little more assertive and uh, driving to play. And, uh, you know, Sanheim has, has helped him out as well. And, uh, you know, Sanheim, to his credit, has gone to the opposite side. He's now playing the right side. He's a natural left-handed shooter. 
And uh, so he sacrificed his game a little bit, or so you thought, but he's been terrific. I don't think he'll ever go back to the left side because he's been that good. <laughs> and uh, and they've done most of this this year without uh, Ristolainen, who was hurt for more than half the season. So, you know, give this team credit. I thought the defense would struggle mightily, I'll be honest. And uh, they have not. That's been the best part of their game. Uh, going into last night, they were seventh in the NHL in uh, goals against. So seven from the top. You know, last year it was the opposite. They were near the bottom. And uh, both goalies have been excellent. I mean, Carter Hart has been great. And as I mentioned, Sam Erson has been lights out the last eight games. And, and uh, you know, I think if they took a rookie of the year vote right now, Sam Erson would probably be in the top five. I mean, Connor Bedard is going to run away with it, but I think uh, Urson has made enough of an impact with the Flyers that he's he's going to get some votes. Uh, maybe not for number one, but um, you know I think he'll be strongly considered anyway for the top five. He's playing basically he was playing uh, maybe every fourth game, but now with Hart ill, he's been playing um, every game for the last couple of weeks, and and the Flyers haven't skipped a beat. I saw you put that out on social uh, the other day. You know, going into Thursday night's game, he's got a 1.85 goals against and a 9.29 save percentage in his last 10 starts. What does his emergence allow the Flyers to do? Because they are still a team in a rebuild. And you talk about Walker and Sealer. They've played themselves into not only a role in the team, but being mentioned in players that could potentially be moved at the trade deadline for a rebuilding team. So what does the emergence of Urson and, and some of these other players here do in terms of flexibility for Keith Jones and Danny Briere as they try to continue to remake this roster? Yeah, it's a good question, Jason. And, and I guess the short answer is it gives the Flyers more options. And that's a good thing. I talked to Danny Breyer last week, and I and he said to me flat out, we are not going to be buyers. I said, you know, now you're in this playoff race. Uh, does that change your philosophy at, at the trade deadline? He said, absolutely not. We are not going to be buyers. And, um, you know, well, of course, that could change if, if this excellence continues. Um, but, um, like I said, it gives them more options. I mean, are they – Going to trade Carter Hart, the odds are probably 2% maybe. But, you know, now with Urson there, you, you believe in Urson. If your socks are knocked off for an offer for, for Carter Hart, let's say a team gives you, you know, a, a proven NHL player and two or three number one picks, you got to listen. <laughs> so at least Danny Howe has some options because it looks like Urson can play regularly in the NHL, and what a great problem, if you want to call that a quote-unquote problem to have. And you mentioned the two other guys that probably right now could give you uh, Walker especially, uh, being right-handed and uh, still young, 28. Uh, he could probably bring you a first-round pick if you decided to trade him. Uh, I'm not quite sure you can get that much for Seal or maybe a second-round pick. But again, you have some options now, and and uh, good options. And, you know, Danny says he wants to stockpile draft picks. He doesn't want to trade draft picks. He already has a couple number ones for next year. And, and uh, you know, if he can get another one, um, you know, maybe you'll see one of these defensemen go if he can get a high pick for one of them. Uh, but it, it's real early uh, right now. As you guys know, we're only uh, uh, maybe 
a little past the one third mark in the season. And John Tortorella at the morning skate today says, Hey, I don't even want to talk about the playoffs. I, you know, you got to talk to me at the end of January. It's so early right now. He didn't even want to entertain Kevin Kurz from the athletic, asked him about, uh, you know, how important it would be. Good question. How important it would be uh, for this young team to be in a playoff hunt in the second half of the year. And and Torch just said, I'm not even going to go there, you know. And, uh, you know, it's way too early for that. And Kevin pointed out, well, it's 31 games. You know, you're another 10 games, you'll be at the halfway point. So it, it, to us, it doesn't seem early, but, you know, Torch doesn't even want to go there right now. And, and uh, you know, I, I think I can understand that he wants to keep the, the players focused. And he's done a great job. I mean, there's no question. He, he to me, is uh, a strong coach of the year candidate. And um, But it is only 31 games, and, and we'll see how, uh, how things play out. You know, one of the things that people were concerned about with Torts is it is his development of young players. It seems like he is developing the young players and doing a great job of it. What has been the difference, if anything, in his coaching style? Yeah, and he's he's done that in the past, too. I think uh, John Bailey, uh, my colleague at Philly Hockey Now, did a real nice story the other day out, uh, outlining that, how John has developed young players at different spots, different stops along his NHL coaching career. And, uh, you know, I think because he's so fiery and gets in your face, I think, you know, it's kind of a misnomer that he's no good with, with kids. Kids don't want to play for him. Right. But he's, he's a great teacher. And, uh, you know, Noah Cates, a good example, really developed last year as a rookie. Um, you know, Urson had a cup of coffee last year. He developed, Cam York developed. And and we're seeing more guys this year. Bobby Brink has been very defensively uh, defensively responsible so far, and uh, and he's on like a 14, 15 goal pace. You know, for a guy who plays limited minutes, he's he's doing fine. Same with Tyson Forster playing a two hundred foot game, another rookie. So, uh, you know, John has has not been afraid to bench these guys. And give them a teaching moment, if you will. You know, uh, Brent came out of the lineup early in the year. I, uh, I did not agree with a lot of the benchings he gave Morgan Frost early in the year. I thought, you know, one time, okay, but he, he kind of yo-yoed him three different times. I thought that was a little too much myself, but because he really wasn't playing badly at all. But, you know, he's getting results. You cannot argue with the results. I mean, does he go overboard sometime with the benchings? You know, maybe. I think he does. But you can't argue with the results. And he, he's getting them, as you said, from the young players. You know, you mentioned the young players. And obviously, you know, Morgan Frost, Bobby Bobby Brink, Tyson Forrester, Owen Tippett, those guys. The guys that aren't here are the ones that are supposed to be the really talented ones with Mitchkov and Gautier and, and those guys coming. And you mentioned he has some ones for next year to use looking for more. I'm curious, a third of the way through the season, given the product on and off the ice, what should a fan feel about this franchise right now? Because Jeff and I have talked about how will fans react when they start to trade pieces because they're playing well, yet at the same time, they're still trying to build a roster for the future. So what's the state on and off the ice for a fan looking to jump on a bandwagon here? Well, the, the two guys you just mentioned that that aren't here right now, I mean, that's it's a great time to jump on. You know, let, let's face it, those two guys, they need snipers. And those two guys look like snipers. I think they, they might still need a, 
a veteran. And I, I think you'll see Danny Briere as they get closer. You know, I think right now they're a playoff contender. Are they a Stanley Cup contender? I, I don't think so. And I don't think uh, Danny Briere even thinks so. Uh, so as they get closer to that, maybe two years down the road, then you might see him add like a free agent sniper, somebody that can, you know, pop in 30 goals or 26 goals, something like that, and and help their power play, which has been really stale. But the two guys you mentioned, you know, one will be here in three years. Gauthier will be here next year, maybe at the end of this year. Um, you know, they they look like the real deal. They, they're, they're both playing very well and, and – uh, you know, time will tell whether they'll be NHL caliber snipers, but they certainly look like they have the ability. And that is just what the Flyers need. If you look at one weakness, and I talked about the power play, uh, they don't have a guy can really count on uh, that can score a big goal. It's it's spread out. There's some advantages to that. But you, you need a guy you can lean on uh, in crunch time. And I'm going to go way back 50 years almost to when the Flyers won their cups. They were a hardworking team like this team. This team reminds me of the Flyers back in the day in that they don't get outworked. But that team had guys you could really count on to score goals. The McLeishes, the Barbers, you know, the the Clarks, and Lonsbury, Dornoffer. I can go on and on. I mean, they had, you know, 30 goals scores uh coming out their ears and this team probably will you know you'll have connecting maybe uh he should get 30 but other than that you know Tippett may you know may come close to it but you don't have you know like six guys like that team did that uh, were a threat and that you know it, it's not easy to defend when you have that many snipers and but they're coming and uh I think the two you mentioned um are going to supply that. And I also believe you'll, you'll see a big name free agent here um, probably in two or three years, uh, a guy that can put the puck in the net and, and who knows, maybe Joe, Joel Farabee, who's um, whose game has really improved this year. He's a year away from uh, away from the next surgery. Who knows? Maybe he develops into a 30 goal score. He certainly has a potential, but to get back to your question, yeah, I think there's a lot to get excited about. And I think the fans, uh, should jump on this bandwagon. Um, that does that mean they're going to make the playoffs this year? Absolutely not. I think it's still going to be a struggle for them to do that because I think some teams below them in the standings will surpass them. The Devils, for instance, uh, Washington is close, and and Washington's power play has been even worse than the Flyers. If you can believe that, but um, so it's not. It's far from a guarantee. This team will even be in the playoff race. Uh, by the end of uh, April, but, you know, give them credit. They're outworking teams and, and they're fun to watch. They're, they're playing at an increased speed and uh, you know, they're in every game. I, I, I think they've been enjoyable to watch. You know, as we get closer to January and you get towards the end of January, let's speculate ahead that the flyers continue to play at this pace and maybe even the power play gets a little bit better. How hard is it going to be? For, for Briere and Jones to be disciplined enough to say, we have a plan, we're not going to deviate from it. It'll be a little tougher, Jeff, no question about it. And uh, I asked Danny that directly the other day. I said, you know, let's just say, you know, we're, we're in February and you guys are right there in a playoff spot and 
you know, will will that change the way you, you look at things? And he said, absolutely not. That's what he says now. But I agree with you. I think it will be tough because the fans are starting to get excited about this team, especially with the Eagles starting to lose and and they look like they're they're not going to be a Super Bowl team. So, uh, of course, the Phillies are a ways off from starting. So some of the attention that the Flyers did not get, they're starting to get now. And people are looking up and saying, this team's in second place. What happened? And, uh, you know, they're starting to get excited. So I, I agree with you. I think uh, it will be a little tougher for Danny to, to stay disciplined. So maybe he kind of compromises instead of, you know, getting a big, big name player, you know, he gets somebody like an Eller or some, you know, maybe he gets somebody that is a hard nosed player and, and can, uh, you know, help the power play and also kill penalties and, and be, I hate to keep going back to the Flyers. Back in the day, they picked up Terry Crisp late in the year and he, he was a great addition. He wasn't a big scorer, but, you know, he chipped in with timely goals and, and just a great playmaker. And he was terrific on the penalty kill. Maybe they get somebody like that. Somebody that uh, a, a jack of all trades, but no superstar and only cost you maybe a, a fourth or fifth round pick. Uh, so that's would be kind of a compromise. Uh, maybe it, it just stirs the pot a little bit and then re-energizes them. Sometimes you get the right player. Uh, he can really help you and maybe push you over the top, but, I don't see him, you know, making a big, big move to acquire a player. And I, I still think there's a better chance they would trade a, a sealer or a walker um, before they do anything else. But uh, it's like I said, it's a good problem to have right now. Yeah. Well, Sam, we got a couple minutes left and l- let's talk NHL. If it's not the Flyers, if the Flyers are not, let's say, one of the final four teams, based on what you've seen this season, who would you say are the top two teams in each of the conferences? Well, the Rangers, I've always been a, a big believer in the Rangers and, and uh, you know, I, and Boston, I'll be honest with you, Boston has really surprised me. I, I did not see Boston playing as, as well as they have so far. And uh, you know, Vegas is Vegas. They're the defending champion. And, and uh, to their credit, they have not skipped a beat. Sometimes you have uh, a Stanley cup layover, they have not had that had that at all, uh, but there have been so many surprises right now. Vancouver's been a big surprise. I think Boston losing a lot of players, you know, they've been a surprise that they're still up there. But you know, I, right now, I would I would probably say Vegas and the Rangers and uh, a good dark horse might be the L.A. Kings and, and Dallas Stars. There, uh, I like the style they play. Winnipeg has certainly played well. Uh, I don't believe in Vancouver yet, but. They could prove me wrong, but if I had to pick the the Stanley Cup final right now, I would go with Vegas and the New York Rangers. And uh, you know, they're the Flyers right now are are ninth uh, in points. Actually, they're tied for uh, six. So six, seven, eight. Uh, actually, they're ninth. They're one point behind sixth. So that just shows you the brand of hockey they're playing. If they win tonight depending on other results, they could be the sixth best team in the NHL, which is mind boggling. I mean, uh, um, but again, that doesn't mean they're going to be a Stanley cup contender, but all signs point to progress and, and you got to like what you see and, and you don't just snap your fingers and, and go from where they were last year and miss the playoffs for the third straight year to being a Stanley cup champion. But <laughs> they have made tremendous strides and, and uh, at this point, that's all you can ask for. 
it's going to be fun to keep watching them. I Like I said, I told Jeff when we were talking expectations at the beginning of the season, I went to a game at the end of the season last year. The building was half empty and the other half was the other fans from the other team. I did yeah. not want to see that. I had never seen that at a Flyers game before. I didn't want to see that again. And you it's probably watch, a Rangers game, right? It was. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. you watch at each game this year, there's more and more people in the building. And that's you know, what you want to see if you're a franchise that's trying to get people to buy back into what you were doing, because we've talked about it in the past. There became such a disconnect between the franchise and the fans that now all of a sudden you're starting to get that again. So, look, we, we always love getting to speak with you a little bit. Uh, check out Sam over at Philly Hockey. Now you can read his uh, reports, what are you, Broad Street Bull on different social platforms? That's how people can find Yeah, you. at Broad Street Bull on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it now. And uh, Jeff doesn't uh, like to call it anything. He doesn't like to talk about <laughs> it on the show. But I do want to give you a plug for where people can find you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not on Philly Hockey now as much as I used to because I'm working on a on project, book, right? a TV, on TV, TV project show. on the yeah. Broad Street Bullies. But uh, um, so... Uh, yeah, I have a lot of the Broad Street bullies in my head right now because we're doing this project uh, uh, saluting the 50 years. So if I went back too far, I, I apologize. Not at but, all. Uh, Not but at always all. good to talk to you guys and have a great holiday. Have and a we great can't, one, we can't wait to see it when it's out. I appreciate that, guys. Take it easy, Sam. Thank you. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. Thanks for sticking with us here on The Heart of Sports. Uh, Fun to catch up with Sam. I'm glad you let him get his grievance in. Uh, if, if I could give uh, the first grievance to start. Uh, well, I, wait, wh- why wouldn't I let him get his grievance in? I thought I mean, you were just going to have him on to talk hockey. And he yeah, went but, right but, but to but the, the jugular with the Eagles. <laughs> okay, so I, mu- I must remind you that it is Festivus for the rest. For the rest of us. I understand. So, so it's, it's not just Festivus for Jason and Jeff. All right. Everybody should have the chance to air their grievances. To complain. I understand. So, so I, I'll let you start. All right. So I'm going to go with a baseball one that I'm still not over uh, because then it'll let us talk about the billion dollars that the Dodgers have spent in the last month. Uh, I'm still not over Craig Kimbrell. Can I just have him be a perennial grievance for me? Him dropping the ball off of the mound still like haunts me in nightmares sometimes. I know that means I have other problems in life, so we don't need to analyze that here on this show. But uh, Craig Kimbrell is my grievance because I had to suffer through last seasons with him. Uh, which which part is the grievance, though, that he just sucked at the end exist- of the season? His existence on the Phillies was a grievance. See, see mine's more specific than yours. Okay. Mine, mine isn't. Look, people make mistakes. People don't have good games. Um, I can live with that because that's the whole point of sports. Sports is you don't know what's going to happen on any given day. It's the human element of it that makes it so special. The problem for me, my grievance is that he didn't seem to give a crap. No. And, when, and, I, and I don't talk about winning and losing. I talk about being his best. Like what What in the world it, does he think that it is a good idea not to even try to do the right thing? Like it is insulting to every single person who pays money, regardless of who you're rooting for. 
that if there's a man on base, his answer is, I'm going to physically drop the ball next to my feet so that the guy can get a free base. I still laugh. Can you you imagine, like I I said, you know, I I coached a lot of travel baseball. If some kid now does that because Craig Kimbrell did it. If the coach we are head so close to the apocalypse. Okay, so uh, with Kimbrel, first of all, we've given our condolences to Orioles fans because now they actually shortened the pitch clock and took away one mound visit. So it's going to be even worse next season for That's the non-adjusting so awesome Craig Kimbrel. Uh, but let's talk the the non. Well, it could lead to a oh, wait. Wait, can we talk about the pitch clock for a second? Because I'm sure that we've had grievances about that. I know people have had grievances. I don't have a one but but pitchers had grievances about it and yes. wanted extra time the answer by major league baseball was to say no 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 we're going to give you less time if your complaint is that you want uniformity between when people are on and when they're not on and the playoffs and not we're going if you thought that was going to mean we're going to give you more time no it means we're going to make it closer to uniform by giving you less time are you okay with that I just want some type of consistency. I didn't mind the pitch clock. I thought pitchers should adjust. And you saw the younger pitchers who had played with a pitch clock before didn't have problems with it. And by the yeah, end well, of the, the season... The, the Phillies' end- big signing this year, this offseason was the one of the few people that didn't adjust. And we'll see how he does next year with it because he's back here. That is the only big signing for the Phillies. Right now, they're running it back. Uh, meanwhile, the Dodgers dropped a billion dollars in the last month. Uh, they signed the last week. They signed uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto to the mm-hmm. longest contract for a pitcher in MLB history: twelve years, three hundred and twenty-five million dollars, with a fifty million dollars signing bonus. And then I believe there's a fifty million dollar posting fee as well. Uh, that follows their offer to Tyler Glass now and Shohei Otani. The other 29 teams in baseball have spent mm-hmm. less than $900 million combined this offseason. <laughs> That's what the, the Dodgers are like lapping people with spending. So I'm going to ask you, is it a grievance, the current financial structure of sports, when you have a team committing a billion dollars in a couple days for basically two and a half players right now? Shohei may pitch in 25, and if he does, that starting rotation is going to be bonkers but 24 they they paid for a batter that's assuming that that's those starting pitchers are healthy uh, that's what i'm saying so so i mean if you if by the way if you're born like in the last couple of years or born in the next couple of years if you're a dodgers fan you're not going to remember it because you're too young but by the time you're old enough that you actually want to watch baseball that team, I don't know how that team can exist at that point. Like that, that cannot be fiscally responsible. You cannot tell me that the Dodgers are somehow going to make a profit. Well, well they, I think they will because how? Because you get, how they, because they just paid three into, guys more than the value of the team. Probably. Because you get into untapped markets. The Dodgers haven't done that much in that market. Now they will be the team in Japan with these two stars. 
They totally opened a new Japan market. has its own baseball league. I understand. But just J- like Korea has its own and baseball league. They are baseball fans and will follow their players as well, I think. I think that the Dodgers will make their money back. I you know, it's baseball. These these teams don't lose money. And the thing with Yamamoto's deal is there's no deferrals. Shohei is going to be paid till I have a gravestone. Yamamoto is just going to get 12 years of straight pay. And look, he looks dominating. I never believed he was going to come to the Phillies. Like now we can get on building the team. I'm glad that they were. Are in- we so sure he's that good? He's 25 years old. He pitched in a, in a league that is not Major League Baseball. Everybody seems to think it, although teams were out very quickly once the, the Phillies made an offer. I know the Giants apparently said, okay, we're, we're out. That's it. Threw their cards in. So you're rolling the dice on a guy who's never pitched in a major league game to pay him the longest contract, you said, in, in history? For a pitcher. For a starting for pitcher. pitcher. Yeah. Well, there was one other pitcher who got a deal... Uh, in 1977, Wayne Garland got 10 years entering 1977. His free agency was a bit different then. This is a 12-year deal. Did you, did, you ever, did you ever go to the Baseball Hall of Fame? No, I haven't yet. It's on my bucket list. Okay, well, I can assure you as somebody who's been there Wayne Garland's not in there? Wayne Garland is not in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. <laughs> I mean, look, you, you watch his, separate from the competition that he faced, his stuff looks dominant. Is it in baseball? We'll see next year. They're paying him for it. So I'm going to give you the next uh, grievance to choose here on the list. Take your pick on what direction you want to go. or take. You know what? Here, here's here's the interesting thing, because I have been bitching and moaning All about, ha- about <laughs> Florida State and how hard, horrible it is that, that, that the poor quarterback who got hurt uh, is getting blamed for them not making the semifinals. I'm now going to tell you, that Florida State should just just go away. Like, like the <laughs> fact that they are meeting today, this morning, to dis, to decide if they can find a way to lawsuit their way out of the ACC, because supposedly they didn't make this semifinal, doesn't make sense. It's completely disingenuous. There have been grumblings about Florida State and possibly Clemson wanting to leave the ACC for a while because they make, what, $30 million less per year in TV deals than the Big Ten and the SEC, okay? Next year, how many teams are in the college football player? 12. Okay, so even if it happened to you this year and you're upset, next year, if you do the same thing, you're guaranteed to be in. Yes. So... So this whole idea that they want out because the ACC isn't the conference they thought it was is nonsense. This and whole, the fact that they're trying to get out of it is uh, just like everybody else. I'm not telling you they're any different than anybody else. I'm just telling you, would, would you people just stop doing something other than say that this is about money? Because that's all it is. You're the sports traditionalist, get off my lawn guy on the show. Uh, I'm catching up to you and getting there. Um, but I'm going to get off my long guy on this whole realignment thing. I don't even know who's in what conference anymore. I like, like, and next year it changes again. And the year after that, it changes again. And then some teams are affiliating with other teams. And now you've got the football teams in the old Pac-12 are going to play with the West Coast Conference. And the, it's enough already. Just go to a super conference. I never thought I'd agree with Chip Kelly. Did you see his rant? Yeah. I, I never thought I would agree with him. He's right. They should stop with this facade of amateurism and move to what it is already. 
because all these conferences, all these teams, you know, we talked about it. The USC players are going to fly to Piscataway for a whatever that isn't football, that isn't a revenue generating sport as classified because they all wanted in on a TV contract. I, it's just, I'm over the realignment. Like I told you, I, I'm not the, the tradition guy, but I guess I am the tradition guy. Like I've come to really dislike the way bowl season is set up. There's a gazillion bowls and none of them have been on TV for a week. Yet there's seven bowls tomorrow. I, I just, I don't understand what... Hey, and guess how many I'll be watching? None. Exactly. Not one. You'll watch the Michigan bowl game. That's it. And you'll probably watch the other one just to see if Michigan wins who you'll play. Ah, uh, no. See, I'll watch the second one if Michigan wins. Only if Michigan one. wins. But it's, <laughs> it's contingent. The one, then I don't care. Yes, you do not care right. at all. It's contingent okay. on the success of your own team there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, is realignment... A grievance for you or are you just so over it that you can't even grieve it anymore because you're well, sick well right now right now yes realignment's a grievance but right now it's florida state that's a grievance because they could not be more disingenuous than they are being right now did this you whole like did they, you ever they, think it just doesn't make sense that that they think that people will think it's anything other than the fact that they have a smaller tv contract than if they were in the sec or the big 10 and i'm not so sure anybody wants them like did, you're not hearing that the S the Big Ten doesn't want Florida State. If if the here's what happens, if Florida State finds a way out, and and it's going to be hard for them to get out of this without paying over a hundred million dollars to get out, then Clemson gets out. If Clemson gets out, Clemson goes to the SEC. Potentially, Florida State goes to the SEC, and they can't compete the way that they they won't be in the playoff. If they're not in the ACC, they're only an elite team in that conference. They haven't been elite anywhere else for a long time. Okay. So it's, that's not going to be it. And then you have an issue where it, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> Way you to have, prep for the next, show, Jeff. My next, my next <laughs> grievance is, is that my phone is on <laughs> ringer off and it's still ringing. See, and the funny thing is, I thought you just silenced the messages from me so that you didn't have to get the vibration. No, the ring, the but I see that ev everybody else can get through to you. But, but then again, the Apple Watch <laughs> is currently banned from sale, so maybe nothing works on it right now. I don't, I don't know. What would but, you, what here, would you do if you fin lost your Apple Watch at this point? Yeah, I'd be fine. It's okay. I don't wear it all the time. So back, back to the, the ACC. If if Florida State pulls this off and, and causes this chaos, Clemson leaves. They likely go to the SEC. North Carolina then leaves. They go to the Big Ten. Who's left? Well, you end up with a Pac-12 scenario where Exa exactly. they, they have so, to go so partner it, with somebody else to stay alive, to get paid, and to keep their existence. So Florida State's allegiance to its conference, it's as only as far as its TV contract. That's like, the way all of these schools are now. There's no allegiance to a conference. There's an allegiance to the payout. <laughs> That's where we are in sports. That's why I can't believe I agree with Chip Kelly, but he's right. Just acknowledge what it is. We all enjoy watching it. No, no, he, but he's not right. The, the, the right thing in in a in a utopian world is for everybody to just stay where they are in and reality. find a way to spread the money a little more. But but although this is a grievance show, we still can't live in utopia. We have to live okay, in reality. But look, I mean, look at look at. Here's an example of a poor, poor, poor business model. The Pac-12 
just blew itself up because it couldn't patiently wait for what? A television deal. Yes. Right? That was before this season started. When this they had season, all the top teams. Th- th- this season played out. Oregon, top team. Washington, one of the top four teams. Argu- arguably to some people, the top team. Uh, USC, exciting team. Colorado, at least on TV a lot, even though they suck. You can go through Washington State, a top 25 team. Oregon State, a top 25 team. Utah, perennially, perennially, a top 10 to 15 team. You're telling me that if they had played this out and played it better, that they couldn't have survived and gotten a very good contract? They turned down a very good contract. They but, they, had, but they could have gotten better if they were patient and they didn't. And everybody just took their self-interests and ran. And now nobody's better off. How is that any different than the state of sports and college sports to begin with? We talk about the transfer portal transfer portal all the time. Did you see how many quarterbacks jumped in the transfer portal? There was like 125 quarterbacks in the transfer portal. Everybody looks for the next thing, whether it's a coach a school with a conference, a player who wants more playing time. That's the way that the model is in college sports right now. It's not stick it out and be on our team. It's you get yours. Okay, so let me ask you, here's the enigma to all of this, because I I agree with you. There's one player in college football who is an enigma to me right now. Arch Manning is the bloodline heir apparent to great quarterbacks of all time. He goes to Texas, doesn't even start his first year, and he doesn't enter the transfer portal. And there's a likelihood that Quinn Ewers comes back next because year. Because the NIL at Texas is very good. So he got paid about $3 million. Yeah, but he doesn't need that. But I'm just saying it's that's why players stay and go. The deals that they get too. That's why See, I don't think that. I think with... The Manning family has so much knowledge of what it takes to be great that you have somebody and they have instilled this now in their next generation where they sit there and said, you hang back, you learn offense, you learn how to play the game from watching, and then you go in and you execute. And you watch Arch Manning will be the next great quarterback in in pro football because of the old school mentality. It's almost like the... I could be completely wrong about this, but the old school mentality of, of being redshirted, not playing your first. Look, I think it's better for players to learn. The irony is that Peyton and Eli started right away. I mean, they were mm-hmm. they were just that good. Maybe Arch isn't. I don't know. Uh, you want to bring up the next grievance or would you like to? Make- no, it's your turn. I brought up mine. All right. I'm turning to the NFL because um, I'm frustrated still by the Eagles. They'll play Tommy Cutlets, who's trademarking everything, and I know you have a grievance about his agent on uh, Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, my grievance. Wow, that was this week. I I complained <laughs> to you so much about it. I forgot that we didn't talk about it. <laughs> that was all this week. Uh, my grievance, separate from what I'm seeing on the field right now with the Eagles, is um, the prevent defense. Uh, still can't stand it. It prevents nothing but winning, uh, and NFL officiating. I know it's a hard job. I have no idea what pass interference anymore is anymore. And I'm not even talking about just on the Eagles. I have no idea what's like they're focusing on things they never have before and calling penalties now. While the things that are glaringly obviously wrong, they still can't figure out at all. That's my grievance. 
Okay. I don't, I don't have any problem with the past interference. I have a problem with how long it takes them to review stuff. That seems obvious. That, that seems well, to be the biggest problem for me. I, I don't sit there and look at calls again, because of the human element, I just accept the fact that they are going to get some things wrong, but for the most part, they get things right when they don't get something right. Or even when they do, it's that the, some of these reviews are taking five, 10 minutes. So I have a beef about reviews and it's the broadcast. Just show me the damn review. You have a million cameras that have better ability to focus than ever before. You have more camera angles than ever. And instead of showing me, you go to a tiny box for a picture-in-picture so I can see the ad while they do the review, and you don't actually show me the review of the play. So I don't know what the hell happened, but I know they're in review, and I'm waiting to be told what they decided after the commercial break ends. The NFL has so much money. How is it that they don't have a ref in New York or wherever they want to put them watching every game and the second that somebody says they're challenging it or it's it's a scoring play or whatever that person isn't just doing it you you do not allow me to talk about the XFL and USFL which by the way ironically you're the one who texted me yesterday about the demise of a couple of franchises in the USFL uh, yeah but that was me being snarky but, saying oh no the New Jersey Generals and the Philadelphia Stars are no more but they got and it I right. already did that in the 80s they got <laughs> it right with the transparency on their reviews you could see how they were reviewing the play in the booth in real time and hear audio. There was no question about what was going on. I thought they got it right. I think it helps. Uh, are you going to watch the Eagles-Giants no. game on Monday? Oh, probably not. Uh, oh, so wait, do you want me to get the Tommy Cutlets? Go for it. All right. Well, I mean, I'm not as charged up as I was on Monday. Because you were he, he, fired he on, his, yes, on Monday. Because as an attorney, you you didn't even text me about it. You called me about it. That's how fired up you were. Yeah, because 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 I can't stand people who are supposed to represent the best interests of their clients, not, in my opinion, doing so. And and basically what happened, the story that came out was that that Tommy DeVito, who who was an undrafted free agent who nobody knew and nobody ever was going to know who who was living in his home and readily says that his mom makes him all his meals and makes his bed for him, uh, became the Giants starter. And for some reason, we're now all excited as Giants fans, if you're a Giants fan, about this guy who, if you look at his actual statistics, it's not impressive at all. I'm excited. They've won a couple, a couple I'm excited games, as an on. Eagles fan. So he's not he's not he's not gonna be the starter. <laughs> Which is why I'm excited as an Eagles fan. But 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 because of also his heritage, he's got a, a group of people that are also very excited ab- about him. And and so he's now doing public appearances and his public appearance fee was apparently $10,000 with this pizza place that he was going to go to. And I think in North Jersey and and then his his agent, who's the guy who is a joke, is a caricature in, in, the, in the, you know, wearing his, you know, weird outfits in, in the stands decides that he's going to say, no, no, it's not 10,000. It's now 20,000. And so this little pizza shop that probably can't afford the $10,000 is now being told we're doubling it. So they tweeted, I'm sorry, we can't, we can't have him because he doubled his fee. And the, the, the attorney said, Stellato, I think is his name. We didn't have anything in writing. Okay. As an attorney, I'm rolling my eyes right now because that is the biggest bunch of BS ever. And so Tommy DeVito, to his credit, probably because his mother or his father smacked him inside the head and said, you idiot, 
now go there, decided to go there on his own and make an appearance. And he looked very good. And the pizza shop basically got over a million dollars in free advertising because of this screw up by the agent. My favorite. So to his credit, you know, my 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 grievances towards DeVito's agent, who if you go on his website, lists NFL stars. And if you can name three of them, even after looking at the list. I'd be impressed. My favorite part of that was that the pizzeria released the text messages back and forth to Darren Darren Ravel so that there was nothing the agent could say. It was all out there publicly. Yeah, right. That was the best part of it. But I do, since we're on the NFL, I do have one more grievance. Okay. Um, And it's also a kudos to Bill Cower and Ben Roethlisberger, who I don't ever have a kudos wait, for. Wait, wait, you're in this show, you have yeah. chosen to attack Notre or Florida State over Dabo mm-hmm. and Clemson yep. and mm-hmm. give kudos to Ben Roethlisberger. I do not know you anymore. Who am I be, hosting be, the show with? Because of his comments about George Pickens. Okay. Okay, so, so you know speci- what's going a, on. There's a very specific, narrow thing yeah. that you're kudos yes. here. Okay. Very specific. Now I understand. Go ahead. A- about the lack of leadership on a Steelers team that has a wide receiver who has repeatedly been in the coach's bad boy house who decided apparently not to block for a teammate because he had supposedly seen Tank Dell get injured while blocking. Do I have that right? Yes. Didn't want to get rolled okay. up on he said it out loud (laughs) like my my grievance isn't just that he's a really bad teammate he's an idiot (laughs) like he said it out loud for the world to hear and if you saw the running back from the Steelers who he didn't block for did you hear what he said He, he said something to the effect of well if I were him I would block for him we had that here before, but we're all different. For who? For what? <laughs> for, for no, this is. But for see, who? For what? For who? For no, no. But the difference, I, and I'm not giving Ricky Waters credit, but but what he was talking about was going over the middle and not wanting to get killed. Which, by the way, if he had gone over the middle and the tackle's been the same, same way. If you, anybody had made that kind of tackle in today's game, you'd be thrown out of the penalty. game. Right. So he had a little bit to worry about there. This guy didn't want to block for his teammate block <laughs> we've got we've got about three minutes left uh i i don't want to leave without talking nba real fast my grievance is on the in-season tourney courts uh yeah. <clears throat> I, I i need to be able to see the damn game like have fun i think courts are cool but make sure that your your fans can can see what they're watching um, my question off of the grievance is... Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so here's the weird part about this. You are you have a grievance about something that all you focus on is ratings and have repeatedly told me that it works. That I, don't think it's the, it. I don't think it's the court that got the ratings. But I think the court is a creative way to do it. I just think I you think have so to too. be aware that your audience may have problems. And it wasn't the court. It was the uniform combos. It was when they were wearing the dark uniforms on the dark courts that it made it really hard. When there was a color contrast and they were wearing white or something on those courts, it was okay. I could see. Okay. Well, well, then here's my NBA grievance. Because my grievances are are limited, very focused. Very. I, think my, I have laser focus. Laser. So mine's on Zion Williams. Who is not guaranteed the same anymore. Reason. Yeah. So, so Zion Williamson could be one of the great players in the NBA. I don't have to say that people like Charles Barkley, people like Shaq, 
all sorts of people talk about how great he can be if if he just learns to control his body weight and and do the things that a, an athlete a superior athlete has to do and he doesn't nope. from all accounts does not do it does not look interested in doing it and now had he had a clause in his contract that his weight plus his body percentage could not go above a certain amount and if it did he lost the guarantee in his massive contract but he can get it back if he can get somehow get below that how in the world do you ever get to a point that if you don't want to do it for pride we've been talking about money a lot he's losing a lot of money this way i don't know that they would cut him because i mean they've got such an investment in him but they're clearly not satisfied and he's obviously wasting the talent he has thankfully on a, on a on a team that could be really good if he if he was his, his best self we got well speaking of their best selves we got 30 seconds left you've seen Embiid and maxi play better together than what they're doing right now on the court they could no, use a little but, help but, from like tobias harris and somebody but well well, well there i guess there's your grievance <laughs> excuse me tobias harris is that kind of taking a step back so i guess now the grievance is going to be what is daryl morey doing the new year right well uh, we're definitely going to watch out to see what he does that's going to be your last grievance this week jeff thanks so much for joining this week help make sure to join us next friday night to help you start your weekend in style have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.